0: Today, we have iconic actor, billionaire entrepreneur, and newly presidential candidate, Brock Pierce. Listen in as celebrities and amazing people share how they use their influence to change the world. Dive into their stories and discover their passion to keep living a legacy.
1: Brock, so glad uh, to have you today. Well, I'm so glad and grateful to be here.
0: Absolutely, Brock. Where are you from and and what did you think of specifically how you've been dealing with the pandemic from the start?
1: Yeah, so I'm from Minnesota originally, and I grew up as an actor, so I lived in California, and I've lived all over the world. I live in Puerto Rico uh, mostly these days, though campaign headquarters as of the last week is now New York City. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, yeah, this has been an interesting year. You know, the year 2020, uh, not quite the one that uh, I think we were expecting or (laughs) hoping for. And uh, for me, I fortunately made good use of, uh, call it the lockdown. You know, it was an opportunity uh, to get my house in order. And I mean that both literally and figuratively. And that's the advice I would give everyone is, uh, you know, in moments like this, to look inward and, uh, and make the best use of uh, the hand you've been dealt. And to fear less, you know, fear is the thing that you want to try and avoid. Fear less and, and ultimately just love more. Okay. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So, Brock, you have a pretty cool history, man. So, you were in a chunk of movies, one of my all-time favorites. I mean, a- anybody that talks about the Mighty Ducks, much less than, you know, I always go back to uh, Emilio Estevez, the Mighty Duck Man, and you were the young Emilio Estevez, correct?
1: Yeah, so uh, the first movie I made was The Mighty Ducks. I was 10 years old, and I booked the role of the main character uh, yeah. in Bombay, which was Emilio Estevez, but I played the uh, in the flashback scene. So I played young Emilio Estevez. It's the uh, the scene that opens the movie The Triple Deke and the famous... Uh, missed shot. You know, hitting the uh, the goalpost, and you know, right. for all those that might joke and say, "Wow, well, he can't make a shot." It was written in the script that way. I'm a pro. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would have made that shot if that's how the movie had been written.
0: <laughs> awesome. Now, and then you went on to you were in you were in Mighty Ducks two, and in a whole slew of other movies. Correct?
1: Yeah, I, but I think the the one that's most relevant to this story is I I starred in a movie called First Kid. Mm -hmm. where I played the son of the president of the United States of America with Sinbad as my service agent with cameos from Bill Clinton and Sonny Bono. I actually got to spend a little bit of time in the actual Oval Office as a result of that. Um, And so uh, uh, just an interesting story, uh, uh, seeing as I'm running for president now. It really is. And so let's kind of talk about that experience. Yeah, so... um, Well, I lived in... We we made the movie in uh, in West Virginia uh, as well as in the Capitol. We actually got to film out front of the White House the the final scene Mm -hmm. uh, playing uh, roller hockey uh, in front of the White House. That's the actual White House. Uh, But most of the... Like, uh, in the movie, it was all set. So we actually built a replica of the Oval Office and, you know, we built pieces of the White House um, because the the president wasn't going to move out for three months so we could make a movie. (laughs) Um, It doesn't work that way. Um, But it was uh, an interesting thing to do as a child. I got to, you know, spend a little time at the actual White House, got to learn a little bit about uh, how things work. um, And I guess it it ultimately paved the way uh, for what I'm doing now. Absolutely.
0: Now, who, who is your favorite actor to work with? I mean, you did work with Emilio Estevez, you worked with Sinbad, you worked with loads of other people. So we'd love to hear some of the fun stories or favorite people that you ever got to work with or would love to still work with.
1: Yeah, I mean, Sinbad and I are, are still in touch. We've actually been chatting every couple of days right now. Oh, that's cool. Um, but uh, I think one of the interesting ones, which is never brought up, is Pat Morita. Uh, Pat Morita, yeah. if you remember Karate, karate Kid, kid. Yeah, right uh, and so uh, uh, you know <laughs> he taught me how to wax on and wax off and all these <laughs> sorts of things right <laughs> um, uh, you know it was amazing uh, all the the interesting people that I had the uh, the pleasure of working with I mean being a child actor is a it's a very different life yeah you know it's I'm moving from set to set you know working for three to six months at a time and in a lot of instances, there's just not any other kid. So, um, you know, you're growing up fast, you know, you're, you're spending most of your time with producers, directors, you know, assistant directors, you know, the crew, other actors. And, you know, in movies like first kid, yeah, Zach, Ty, Bryan, you know, the oldest kid from home improvement was around Mm -hmm. for, you know, maybe a quarter of the movie and, 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 uh, my love interest in the movie, Erin Willoughby, she was around for, probably about the same, but most yeah. of the time, it was just me and all the adults. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the show. It's been a while. It came out a few years back. I think I saw a lot of the shows you were in. Well, so, I, well actually, uh, one of the other characters that's interesting, so the, um, the Secret Service agent that becomes the bad guy in, in First Kid is, is Timothy Busfield, uh, and uh, that's West Wing, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, all these
0: political shows ended up, you know, having an influence. It um, didn't and then you went on from, from movies as an actor into cryptocurrency and that's where you just really kind of struck gold. I mean, tell us how, how did that transition happen? What got you into it? Uh, how,
1: how did that process happen? Well, I was the byproduct of the first generation of like young people that had computers on the internet. And so... After starring in some films and experiencing fame, right. I decided I didn't really like it very much. Um, it wasn't all that it was uh, you know, cracked up to be. And I was a very entrepreneurial kid. And so I was looking at technology and, and looking at what I was doing. Because I started acting at the age of three. I didn't choose to become an actor. I just was. And so I started to ask myself, is this what I want to be doing? Is this my calling? Is this, you know, what makes me happy? And I decided I'd rather write my own scripts and I'd rather be the director of my own life. And at 16 years old, I decided to quit acting at the height of my career and become an internet entrepreneur. This is back in 1997. and wow. So I started my first business, uh, raised tens of millions of dollars to build what you would call as YouTube today. Then the internet bubble burst in the year of 2000 and we went into, um, you know, a, a, basically a technology nuclear winter. Um, but I decided that uh, I still thought technology was the future. Yeah. And I thought that virtual worlds and virtual currencies would be a big deal. So this is back in 2000. And so I ended up building the the largest business in the world, making a market. In digital currencies and video games like World of Warcraft and Second Life, and built up a supply chain in my early 20s of about 400,000 people that played video games professionally to mine digital currencies. Uh, We were Google's largest advertiser for a moment, PayPal's largest merchant for years, started a television channel in China, rolled up businesses around the world like South Korea, where I currently hold two. Uh, honorary ambassadorship titles today. And so uh, um, basically uh, ran uh, and managed the economies of essentially 10,000 virtual countries, which is why Goldman Sachs uh, principal strategies, this was the black box or the proprietary trading desk of Goldman Sachs came to me in 2005 and looked at what we were doing and they're like, you're managing something maybe more complex than the global financial system. And I became their first private investment ever. Um, I closed in in January 2006. And so I spent a lot of time in virtual worlds, um, uh, playing around and testing economic theories. And so uh, that was what I did in my 20s. And so um, this last decade or my 30s was really around taking these same economic concepts and seeing if they could be applied to the real world through things like uh, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and blockchain technology. Now, I want to ask the question, Brock, did that help at the process of going out and raising money for your first
0: businesses having a name of some sort as a brand? Talking about the Mighty Ducks, talking
1: about First Kid, things like that, did that help in the process? I'm certain of it. Um, yeah. You know, I was on the team, we, I was 17 years old, and we were, I signed up about $150 million worth of advertising contracts, $15 million deals. And it wasn't me, obviously it was the, 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 yeah. the entire team, but I was kind of the, the spokesperson the yeah. you know, I was that young visionary that would sell the CEO of, you know, Pizza Hut. And so we got a $15 million deal from Pizza Hut and Pepsi and Intel and Dell computers and Microsoft. And so, I think that my celebrity status, you know, celebrity actor, movie star turned, you know, tech visionary, internet entrepreneur, that, that story sold. Uh, it was effective. Clearly. Yes. clearly, You're a billionaire. That's clearly. <laughs> I <mean. laughs> well, I mean, uh, I, I, view, I grew up playing games and uh, building things inside of games. And so I view life as a game of sorts, right? The game of life. Right. And a lot of people by default think that the scoring system, right? How do we measure our success in this, in this game of life? A lot of people think because of the Forbes list and advertising and pop culture that life is about accumulation of wealth and money and power. Um, I've chosen that's not what I care about. I found that in this, you know, life, there's an option menu and you can go into it. And so I chose to play a different game. I measure my success in life by the positive impact I have. I measure my success, not by how much I have, but by how much I give. And so to me, a billionaire is not someone with a billion dollars, but someone who has positively impacted the lives of a billion people. And so uh, I'm uh, i I'm an aspiring uh, billionaire in that regard and working hard at it.
0: Man, you are literally doing exactly what we talk about, and that is using your influence to live out a legacy and impact the world around you. I mean, it's, it's an exciting thing to talk to you today. Now, you know, as you've done movies, as you've done uh, cryptocurrency and, and become a billionaire and impacted um, not just, you know, you've absolutely impacted lives, you've impacted countries, though now you have this vision, you have this desire and this platform that was announced this week to run for president. So tell us your heart behind that. Tell us your vision. Tell us the direction where you see that, that you see where you can really make a difference.
1: Yeah. So, um, I'm very concerned. I'm very concerned about the state of this nation. Yeah. I'm very concerned about our collective future. Um, I think we're doomed. If we don't do something different, it feels like it's time for change. Um, Albert Einstein is credited with this, uh, 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 this quote, not sure he said it, but he's credited with that the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Right? Yeah. And it feels like our politicians and politics is just kind of left, right, left, right. It doesn't seem to really change or get better. I feel like we lack a vision, uh, You know, we lack a goal. Where are we trying to go? Yeah. What is it that we want to do? What do we want to be? And I think it's time that we upgrade the operating system of mm-hmm. the United States of America. You know, I think it's time that we really define a goal. I think it's time for us to have a unified vision, right? This country is divided. Yes. You know, how do we bring, our, bring us back into harmony and how do we find a collective path forward? And we were able to do this coming out of the Great Depression. We were able to do this coming out of World War One and World War Two. You know, when, when, when we have, uh, um, when we experience these major traumatic sort of moments, an opportunity to unify, to come together under a unified vision occurs. And so one example of what I think we could do is how do we measure our success as a nation? You know, how have we historically measured our success? Uh, Nation states historically measured success by growth, just growth. GDP, gross domestic product. The problem with growth is it assumes that we have infinite resources, which we've known for quite a while we don't have. <laughs> the other problem with growth is it doesn't distinguish between positive and negative growth.
0: Yeah.
1: Meaning cancer creates growth. but uh, uh, Filling our prisons creates growth. (laughs) Um, Forest fires on the West Coast create growth. COVID creates growth of sorts. I mean, at least uh, uh, for the PPE industry. (laughs) Right, right. And janitorial services. Uh, But hurricanes create growth. The question is, what kind of growth do we want to incentivize? So I'm a systems designer, right? I'm an architect of systems. and, and, And in doing that, It's very important to understand what are we incentivizing for? What are we aiming for? What is our goal? And our founding fathers had a really powerful intention for this nation, that being this term life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So what I propose is that we start to measure our success as a nation. As voters, we start to hold our government accountable yeah. life. Did you know that life expectancy in this country is in decline? Wow. So what if we started to measure our success by life expectancy? Right. If our government was held to account on that basis, you'd start to see major policy changes. You'd start, start to see major impact in the private sector. And what you'd see is that our air, our water, our earth would all start to get cleaner. Our health would improve. Like if we started to incentivize life- A lot of good things could come of that. Liberty, right? What if we started to measure our success by freedom? We're supposed to be the land of the free after all, but somehow we have more people in prison than anywhere in the world. What if we measured our success by freedom? I think we'd start to see for-profit prisons disappear. I think we'd see police reform you know, right now, police departments want to arrest more people to get a bigger budget, to hire more cops, to arrest more people, to get a bigger budget, because it's about growth. We're just incentivizing growth instead of being more thoughtful about what it is that we want to incentivize. So what if we started to measure our success as a nation by freedom, by liberty? We then have real justice and probably a lot more freedom than we have presently. And what if we measured our success by happiness? The kingdom of Bhutan measures its success by happiness, gross national happiness or GNH. And so these are just some game changing ideas that don't even require me becoming president Mm -hmm. to leave a lasting legacy or impact. And so I'm recommending that we start to think about, you know, what is it that we want as a nation? How do we define this success? Yeah. Now let's talk
0: about, the party. What political party would you say you stand for, Brock? If you said you want a
1: difference and change, and not a divide. So I'm I'm an independent. I believe that um, that we need to rise above yeah. partisan politics. Agreed. I think we need to rise above partisan politics and find a unified path forward. And I think that this decade is that moment. Um, I think that we need something more than two choices. I think that any time you have systems of two, they come together into collusion or they become polarized into division. I mean, this is you know what happens. I think that we need uh, something more. I think we need another choice. And I think more than anything, I, uh, I think we need to empower our, our candidates, empower our government officials to actually think for themselves to decide for themselves, you know, to stand up for what they value. What are their principles? What are their values? Right now, politicians are told what to do and think by their political parties. You know, their giant systems of control. I think that what we really need is a government of, for, and by the people, where we've empowered our officials to actually act, you know, true to their hearts. Mm-hmm.
0: I think you speak a lot of wisdom. You know, I can't say that there's there's really anything that I disagree with you. I mean, your heart is, from what I hear, is that we want to unite a country. It's absolutely divided. I don't care which side of the fence you're on. You know, we are a divided country, and it's heartbreaking to watch it on the news, to watch, you know. And, and many people have either joined in with the attack or buried their head in the sand, or we've got a bunch of keyboard ninjas but it's amazing what I saw. So, I'll tell you, you know, my mom and I differ politically, right? I'm on the, the right, she's on the left. And we were sitting at her house and and something came up. I think one of my kids asked a question and I answered them. And then my mom and I started speaking. And what was amazing is, you know, we, we were kind of chuckling and I was like, you know, the news tells me that you believe this. And she's like, no, and she's like, "Well, the news tells me that you believe this," and I was like, "No, that's insanity." And the reality was, you know, there's there's so much divide in our country, um, and I'm not going to blame it all on the news, but there's so much divide. And the reality is, when we actually spoke about it and removed the trigger words, we believed the same thing. You know, we wanted to protect the underdog. We want to, you know, care for our neighbor. We want to give what we can give. You know, we, and I would say. Almost all of America wants to do that. Just as we remembered September 11th, right where you're at right now, where our nation came together, we worked together. It didn't matter what color you were. It didn't matter what your economic situation was, what your religious beliefs were. We were a nation together. And that's what I'm hearing from you is, you know, let's just bring some some truth and honesty and, and just bring your heart back into it. I'll digress, I want you to speak some more, but you know, that's what I'm hearing. And I don't know that anybody could disagree with that. It's, it's,
1: it's it's what we need. Yeah. You've, you've, you've heard correct. And, um, you know, we got to find a way, uh, back to unity, back to united. Right. Yeah. Uh, we have to, you know, bring America together again and, uh, uh, really happy to hear, you know, because th- th- this, this divisive sort of environment, uh, you know, is, is pitting family members against each other, breaking up families. Uh, 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 let's not turn against each other. No. Yeah. You know, let's, uh, let's, let's remember to have conversations with each other. Yes. Uh, we can agree to disagree on things, but the moment we stop talking... Um, right things can turn, can turn really, really bad uh, when we stop actually taking the time to listen to each other, to actually hear, you know, where the other person is coming from. And let's also remember that, you know, what is leadership, right? Uh, what do we want to teach our children, right? What do we want? Uh, uh, how do we wish, what do we consider to be good behavior? And uh, I, I think the that real leadership is not talking down and, you know, throwing mud at, you know, your opponents. Real leadership is having a vision, uh, inspiring people, informing and educating. And when we talk about problems to actually have solutions, that's what real leadership is. And, um, you know, it, it really matters right now. I feel like in many ways, this is the 11th hour. I feel in many ways that this decade is our defining moment. I think not just the fate of the nation is at stake right now, but the fate of humanity will be decided over the course of this decade.
0: Mm-hmm. And it
1: will be determined by the decisions that we make. And so let's remember the future is going to happen to us or it's going to happen with us. And let's make it a future that we all wanna live in. Brock, what is your hope from this? Now you're
0: definitely speaking something that both candidates need to listen to.
1: Yeah. I. I it doesn't matter who ultimately if anyone wins and implements the, the, and the world gets better, we all win. So I'm rooting for us. And by the way, I believe in us. I believe in this country. I believe in the American people. Um, And so uh, um, yeah, I I think that that victory as I would define it is this message, you know, these ideas getting out there. Um, I'm also 39 years old. I turned 40 in November, and so time is on my side. We are laying the groundwork, not just for this election cycle, but for the future, and not just for me. You know, I'm looking for 100 candidates to support in 2022. All of the infrastructure that I'm developing right now is here, potentially, for you. And not as another political party. This is like virtue signaling. You know, what are our conditions of uh, supporting people? It's like that you have integrity, values, principles, right? We're here to provide you with the infrastructure to run. Right. Not as a party telling you what to do. You know, lots of diversity. Again, I want to see a government of, for, and by the people. I want to see doctors, engineers, teachers, scientists, business people, entrepreneurs, personalities, artists, you know, comedians. I want to see a government of, for, and by the people that can actually sit around a table and have a discussion, you know, and have a disparate set of views and to figure out the best path forward. I I don't want to see a future with two political parties deciding the fate for all of us. Yeah. And I don't, and it's not, it's, I, I mean, parties, not individuals. You know, they're they, they, the two political parties don't have much of a vision, right? The two political parties, the individuality in these parties is squashed out. Like, um, I, I, I want to hear more voices. Um, and so, I, I would encourage each and every one of you to, like, take a look inward and ask yourself, you know, what are you prepared to do, uh, you know, for this country? And if you're prepared to, you know, a lot of people are turned off by politics. You know, a lot of people look at the government, they're like, why would I want? The government is the governance of our country. It decides it's the most powerful system. It decides everything. Yeah. And so if you really, really, really care uh, and you think that you can do something, I'm here to help. That's great. Make that a possibility. Make that a reality. Awesome. You know,
0: Brock, when it's, when it's all said and done, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be your legacy that people remember Brock
1: Pierce? That I lived my life in service and that I worked tirelessly for the benefit of others. And that I did everything I possibly could with the time that I was given to make a difference. That's great. But where can we find information on you, Brock? Yeah, you can find us on all of the social media channels, but our website is Brock, B-R-O-C-K, Brock dot vote, Brock dot vote, and uh, you know Brock the Vote. All right, <laughs> yeah, I like it, and I love uh, I love the message uh, that you're bringing to the people. Uh, if more of us were thinking. From that perspective of the legacy and what we're going to leave behind, uh, that alone could make the world a very different place. Well, thanks for taking the time and good luck. Best of luck. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Join us next time
0: for another amazing episode of Living a Legacy.